you remember, like a few, few years ago, actually, it's still the case. It was all about marketing and sales alignment. Now we start to understand that, well, you even need sales alignment with CS as well, or CX in the in the companies. And that's where RevOps is getting a new challenge if you want not to be aligning just the, the, the usual marketing and sales, but also to be aligning sales and CS. Because now with churn, with um, retention of clients, you would want to have those two teams like very well aligned. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in pursuit of unicorns. I'm David Carnes. And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps Rockstar. This show is brought to you by OpFocus on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest on the podcast is a RevOps leader who supported the growth of multiple generative AI companies. He's a compassionate leader who's skilled at building connections between people. He helps companies scale their growth through visibility, reliability, and enablement with a focus on people and processes. The director of RevOps at Frazee, Hugo Robine. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, David. Thank you for having me around. Hugo, you've done RevOps at all these different companies. Um, You've seen companies through different stages of growth. What is something in RevOps that you've had to learn the hard way? I would say that the most difficult thing for RevOps to to acknowledge if you wanted to accept is that nothing's going to be ever perfect. So you always need to know that whatever you're going to implement, even though it's going to improve something, you will need to improve it at a later stage again and again and again. And it's that continuous process that you need to accept because that's going to be your day-to-day. I can definitely see how the iterative aspect is something that um, RevOps leaders need to remind themselves of because it's so easy to want to get it to the perfect state, want to get it to the ideal process. I feel like there might be some um, experiences or stories behind that takeaway, that learning that helped you realize, oh, okay, there is no perfection. There is no perfect end state. No, absolutely. So usually, you know, you you look at the problem from a very external eye and you will find a solution and you'd be like, that is going to be the solution that is going to be helping everyone there. And once you implement your solution, this is when the users are going to come to you and say, by the way, it's not working, or this is not what I was expecting, or it gives me more work and so on. And that is usually when you start to understand that you will always need to be perfectioning your solution and you will always need to be gathering that feedback and to be testing in different angles in order to try to sort out and to always improve. It's been happening to me countless of times. So Hugo, your company, Frazy, serves the marketing and content industry. You have about 100 employees and you raised a Series A in 2018. In your words, what does Frazy do? So Frazy is a SaaS solution that is very much using generative AI in order to be providing solutions for marketers and content people in the um, like different industries, if you want, but especially the P2C world. And we do that by using optimization, automation, and performance um, testing so that people can be basically having a solution that is helping them through their work um, workloads, as well as like reducing, if you want, the... Um, 
the level of manual inputs and the need of like content creators that you would have um, or content writers that you would have in companies for them to be generating that content. So you can do it at scale through an, autom um, an automated process. Um, and you're always like on brand having some safety as well when it comes to um, using AI, which you don't necessarily have with like today's solutions. So I can imagine an, an, uh, an AI tool sort of leaning in on a, on a not on a conversation, but when, uh, uh, you know, either branding or other marketing contents being created and uh, saying, no, you, you don't want to, you don't want to market with that. No, you don't want to do that. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's where it's been very interesting for us, the uh, the rise of like ChatGPT, for example, because a lot of marketers went out and be like, you know, we have a solution now. It's a cheap solution. Or it's a free solution. We can create contents. But very quickly, you realize that the contents that you're generating is not necessarily on brands. It's not the way you communicate to your 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 customers. Um, so obviously, you would want to have some like changes that are being applied. So already, you are adding some workloads on top of generating the content. And sometimes the tool that you're going to use, again, like ChatGPT, is going to give you content that can't go in the market. Absolutely not. So you need to always be careful about that. And that's where Frazy puts a lot of like um, constraints, if you want, on our own platform and our own generation to make sure that it's up on brand and safe as well, so that people can actually generate content they can trust. Wow, that's fantastic. Tell us about your RevOps team. Uh, how big is the group that you're working with? So I'm currently, I have a small team. So we have three in the team. I have one person that is very much dedicated on marketing operations and another one that is dedicated more on the sales and client services operations. And then across your team, what does your RevOps function encompass? So a lot of things. Uh, primarily, it's around data and reporting. So we are making sure that every process that we build is serving a purpose in order to be giving us insights. Insights are very important for us as a scale-up to understand, are we growing? Are we not growing? Where are the different sources of focus that we need to be investing in? And we are also taking care of, obviously, processes, enablements, and commissions, uh, which is quite a, a big part of the day-to-day -day activities. Uh, I spent uh, a number of years at an early marketing automation company and i felt that it was a lot of pressure to drink yes. our own champagne to use our technology must must be interesting to find ways to uh, weave in your own technology into your work yeah it would be i'd be very interested to know what's your view on this david because marketing ops is very much seen as a doer so the marketing team has the, the the creative idea if you want and then marketing marketing ops is going to to implement it but i feel that marketing ops could be act actually having a more creative role a more like leading and strategic role when it comes to like the tech stack that you use or how you're going to be using those tools or what ideas you could be implementing in order to be more data driven as a as a team and so on i don't know if you've been facing the same in your previous roles you know, this was so long ago that I would, uh, I would, you would laugh when I talked about the technology. It's, you know, <laughs> it's almost pre-computer. Uh, mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so your title is Director of RevOps. What does your day-to-day -day entail? So day-to-day -day is very data-driven. So I'm basically spending my life in our commercial tools, primary Salesforce, in order for us to understand what is happening. You know, it would be review of the pipeline, forecasting, understanding the deals that are moving, what are the changes that are being applied to the to the pipeline and very much providing that information up to the leaderships in order for them to know on a live basis, basically, where are they, what are the clients that are moving in the right direction and the ones that are not necessarily moving in the right direction. And then how do you measure success in your role? So 
again, very much database. I think I'm going to use data into <laughs> all my answers on this uh, on this conversation. But basically, KPIs is very important. So in my role, what you want to do is from the very beginning, align on KPIs and the definition of those KPIs with the people that you're collaborating with your stakeholders. Once you define those KPIs and you have an agreement about how you're going to be putting them together, the idea is that you are finding an automated way of reporting on them and having like a live view on them. And that's what I'm doing through Salesforce as our CRM in order to have all that data feeding into trusted KPIs so we know exactly where we are at any point in time. Oh, that's excellent. All right. So last question about your role. What keeps you up at night? I think something that is definitely on my mind is how the RevOps role has been expanding a lot over the last years. So initially, you had SalesOps that was very much in the focus about five to 10 years ago. RevOps is becoming that big thing in the world. And what keeps me up at night is understanding how is that going to be scaling up? Because what you realize is that you have a lot of companies that are implementing RevOps into very different manners. The question is going to be around how big can RevOps become and what is going to be eventually our sole focus in the company? What's going to be that very strategical point as to why you actually invest in revenue operations? I want to continue that thread around, you know, how big or how expansive could RevOps become? You know, your question earlier to David also was around um, how much marketing ops helps also with being creative. And I, I, I kind of wanted to shape the question in a way where like, how much is RevOps eventually or at a company like yours touching into things like content ops, right? Because operations traditionally has been such an important center of insight to analyze the data and to advise revenue leaders, sales leaders, marketing leaders, um, CS leaders to say, this is what works. This is what doesn't. You know, like these are the things that they are surfacing in addition to owning things like the tech stack. So at a company like yours, beyond just that traditional RevOps role, do you see yourself kind of expanding into things like supporting the content team? Do you see yourself expanding into things like how do we help CS or um, maybe even things like pricing? How does that all come together, uh, especially in a Gen AI context? That is a very good question. So I think you, you're completely right in what you said about like revenue operations has been very often like in analyzing data and then providing insights. But the role has been stopping, if you want, to uh, almost like an invisible threshold where you analyze the data that you've been giving in giving insight about this is looking good, this is not looking so good. I think RevOps can actually bridge that that gap, if you want, in order to understand not only what works, what doesn't work, but also what should we do about it? What is you know the historical information telling us? Where should you invest as a company? And when you think about content or customer success and so on, I think RevOps can be very much um, like a strategic partner to use for those teams in order to understand what content works and why does it work? Because not only are you going to be able to be providing you know, your, your basic KPIs as this piece of content generated that many clicks, that many opens, or these clients have an NPA of um, whatever score, if you want, where if you move away from those basic metrics to this is the reason why it works, you start influencing those teams in order to be strategic and and smart about how they invest and how they actually spend their time. And I think that's where RevOps can actually scale up as a, as a team in order to become a strategic advisor rather than just providing insights to companies. 
Yeah, I really love the idea of that. And I think even in-house, when I think about our own marketing function, that's oftentimes an area where I would love for uh, a strategic partner to be able to come in and say, hey, have you thought about it in this way? Or don't just look at your usual input metrics. Don't just look at your usual uh, measurements. Look at this other interesting thing and how it ties into revenue, how it ties into how it supports opportunities and to think more critically. So I suspect you have a similar sort of uh, position when it comes to things like the pricing side, right? That's also something I, I'm hearing a lot more RevOps teams getting involved in, especially with uh, the year that we have. How do we make pricing competitive, but also maximize um, that kind of pricing power? How does that? How does what you do tie into some of these other cross-functional initiatives? So, I mean, pricing is a great example. When you when you dive into that subject, very often companies have been using prices as we are going to be looking at the competition and we are going to be basically aligning to the competition. If we are providing more services, we are going to get, get higher in terms of price. If we are providing the same level of service, we are going to try to get a bit lower, to be more competitive. RevOps has been able to understand that pricing, as an example, was not just about what the competition was doing. It was about what is the current market trend? What's happening in the world? Are our clients more sensitive about budget? Or actually, do they have budget? If you were to ask a RevOps team in 2020 to be preparing like pricing for, for whatever SaaS solution that you have in your company, they would go quite high. Companies add a lot of money. You had a lot of VCs, companies that were investing heavily into startups and scale-ups. If you ask RevOps now to do pricing, everyone's going to get low because everyone is more constrained when it comes to budgets. People have less money. There is less investments happening. People are much more precious about where they actually put their money and they actually want to make smart decisions. So RevOps can be not only telling you what the market is, is giving in terms of like insights about what you should do with your pricing. It can give you information about what's been happening with your current clients, where is the focus at the moment, as well as providing you a bit of more information about what can you expect um, from the conversation as a seller, for example, you're going to have with your client when it comes to renewing, because you look at the data, you look at the usage, you know they are using a lot, not using a lot, so you know exactly with that data how you can kind of place yourself when it comes to renewing your, your license with your clients. Yeah, I really love how um, you're really taking that proactive approach to say, not only this is what we're seeing with the data within, but also be aware of these things happening in the market. And that becomes much more of a collaborative process rather than uh, product and pricing kind of working on their own. Uh, I think yeah. that collaboration across the functions is really the intention of a function like RevOps. Yes, yes, 100%. And I'm keen to, to, to hear your view about it because very often RevOps has been staying in that like very lane, if you want, about, you know, that is the project, that is the area. So I'm going to be sticking to it where RevOps has this power that almost none of other teams in companies have, which is to be able to grab data from very various places and put it in, putting it together. And I'm sure you are facing the same in your, in your world as well. It is something that if I was to give a message, if you want to do RevOps like managers or directors of this world is always try to understand everything that you have at your hands and try to see if they can actually mix together in order for you to be even more powerful. Yeah, I think, you know, to, to kind of continue that thread, what you're just describing, we're hearing a lot more, certainly on this podcast with the guests that we've had, that RevOps is finally becoming more involved or enmeshed with the CS function and also for some teams CX, right? Ultimately, revenue is tied to the entire customer journey and the entire customer experience. 
And being able to take a step back and have that more strategic point of view, in addition to the daily execution, which is what these teams are tasked with, I think that's been a really big change we've started to see as sales and marketing ops have kind of solidified in RevOps. You know, mm-hmm. CS is finally getting rolled up. You know, the product and pricing is kind of getting rolled up. And, you know, Forrester said four or five years ago that the ideal sort of RevOps function is kind of across these four areas. 100% agree with that. And it's quite funny if you allow me an analogy. If you remember, like a few, few years ago, actually, it's still the case. It was all about marketing and sales alignment. Now we start to understand that, well, you even need sales alignment with CS as well, or CX in the in the companies. And that's where RevOps is getting a new challenge if you want not to be aligning just the, the, the usual marketing and sales, but also to be aligning sales and CS. Because now with churn, with um, retention of clients, you would want to have those two teams like very well aligned. Absolutely. Hugo, I want to ask you a bit around preparing to present the kinds of work that your team takes on to the C-suite and to the board. You know, when we are here, you know, RevOps geeks sitting together, we're like, oh, well, we can help with this and we can help with that. And, you know, it's left, right and center. There's really a lot of um, potential purview. How do we articulate the impact that our team brings to the business? Um, Are there times where we need to kind of narrow down our focus so that the board and investors can more clearly understand um, you know, how the business is functioning and how well we are doing as a team. How have you kind of approached that? So it's something that I've been facing since stepping as a as a manager, if you want, like starting to manage people um, in revenue operations. Very often people like start getting a lot of data, everything that they can get insights on, they are going to be putting it into um, into their decks or their, their analysis. Um, and if you ask them to explain, it's going to last like pretty much three hours. And we know that the, the board of directors or the investors, they don't have that time. They need almost like a sentence about this is what's happening. This is what is going on um, in, in the company. So it's very important to understand who is your stakeholder when you when you prepare data, when you prepare an analysis, as well as understanding what are they expect from you? What are the key focus? What are the key uh, metrics that they want to be to be tracking? So it's a lot of collaboration with your stakeholders, regardless of the seniority in the company. But let's let's take an example with like board of directors or investors to understand what are the KPIs you want to track? What is your definition of those KPIs? And then for us to be able to be putting those KPIs together, tracking them and then providing insights on them. And obviously influencing the board in saying those are the reasons why things are going good or bad again. Now, when you do that, um, it's equally as important not to be understanding the KPIs, but also that your team understand those KPIs. And I think as leaders in revenue operations, we have a duty to ensure that our reps have visibility and understanding about these are the expectations from the business. And if you look at different levels, they understand the different expectations that they have so that they can prepare themselves in their career to align their communication styles depending on who they are speaking with. That's a really great a reminder that obviously we need to be very audience um, centric when we're presenting this. My related question is, you probably need to do this kind of um, KPI prep or board material prep on a regular basis. Maybe it's monthly, maybe it's quarterly. Do you have any tips for you know the folks listening out there in terms of how you stay organized on a monthly or quarterly basis? And are there ways you can 
make that last week before a board meeting or a, a board report less chaotic? One big advice is automate as much as you can. So you will have RevOps that are more or less good at data analysis. I'm not saying that you need to be like a BI expert in knowing, you know, about um, tools like Power BI, for example. But it's quite important if you're using like HubSpot or Salesforce, make sure that you have your reports ready. Because the only thing you would need to do is to be extracting those reports and then plug them into either an analysis, um, like an Excel file, for example, that you have ready, that is just going to update with your fresh data, or just take it directly from the uh, from the system and provide it to the the people that are needing that data. The more you automate um, upfront, the less time you're going to be spending. And it's not just about providing insights to the board, it's also about commissions, for example. If you don't have like an automated tool that is directly linked to your CRM, you would want to have a methodology whereby you just take data, plug it into your 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 system if you want, or your, your Excel file. It's going to update everything and everything's going to be done in like 10 minutes maximum. So Hugo, we'd love to talk to you about technology for a moment. Is there anything in your tech stack that you just couldn't live without? Salesforce, 100%. <laughs> and um, uh, were you on board when Salesforce was implemented? Um, so not at the current company. Um, I was on board when we implemented Salesforce at Milaiman, um, when I moved into actually sales operation um, as a sales operation lead. I was part also of the move from Salesforce um, Classic to Salesforce Lightning, which was a very fun experience to be going through. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel bad for how many companies will turn on Lightning, but not actually configure it or customize it. They're not actually taking advantage oh, yes. of the good stuff uh, within Lightning. Yeah, part of the reason I ask is, you know, you so many of us have inherited old orgs Mm-hmm. And you need to essentially figure out what do I need to do to revitalize this and get it up to a foundation where I can then weave in other uh, tech stack investments. Uh, but that's great to hear that that is the tool um, that you couldn't live without. Uh, how yeah. about for reporting? Where do you go for an at-a-glance view? So again, same platform. Um Salesforce. So obviously I'm speaking very good about Salesforce. I did go through the very same example that you were giving before, David, about jumping into a company, looking at the instance and being like, this is hell. I have no idea how I'm going to, <laughs> to get around that. Uh, but once you actually you know, do all of your pre-cleaning and you, you, you put your processes together, you put a bit more um, rules in the system to make sure that you, know, you can control what's happening in there. Um, this is when you can start having... Um, and playing around with your report and dashboard. And that's exactly what I'm doing at Phrasey today. I have a set of dashboards that are live in the business that are tracking different things. And this is where I am going every single day to understand where are we, what's been happening since yesterday. And is there any feature within reports and dashboards in Salesforce that's missing that you think, gosh, if we could just have one more thing, I'm just curious, sorry to put you on the spot, but I'm curious. No, no, no. And to be fair with you, we could spend an hour on that subject because I have plenty of requests that would love Salesforce to action. But if there is one, um, it's to be allowing us to be creating more more formulas in uh, in a report. Being stuck to one row level formula for every report that you create, this is just a nightmare. Yes, yes, that's pretty limited. We can still create custom formula fields, but that uses one field per object. Exactly. And then uh, you find or- yourself with like hundreds, hundreds of different fields. <laughs> Yes, which you you know don't necessarily remember what they are, and you'll end up creating multiple. Yes, so that is. Um, I'm really glad that they gave us the one uh, row level formula 
um, one little secret that's not well known. So you can have up to five summary formulas on a report. Mm -hmm. uh, if you change the report to be a joined report, that number explodes. You can have so many more. Uh, that's uh, good to know. Ro uh, summary formulas, not row level formulas, but summary formulas. And then it also introduced, so joined reports also introduce cross block formulas. Very good. That's something yeah. I need to explore on the back of this call. I love it. I knew that uh, with David's new book out, there would be lots of uh, tips and tricks on reports and dashboards available, just top of mind. You can always learn. We can always learn. Um, well, speaking of learning, one of the areas I've personally felt most challenged and pushed to learn in the last six to eight months has been around generative AI. And being that you work at a company where that is the central product offering, um, especially for marketing, what do you think might be the next big disruption to RevOps, maybe as it relates to AI? So... I definitely think that AI is going to be in the in the midst of it. And in my in my view, on the short to medium term, there's going to be two big things that AI is going to definitely help RevOps on. The first one is automation of of tasks. If you want, you know, when you think about um, when you use Salesforce and DocuSign, for example, like AI being able to be taking data from a document and plugging it directly into your system to be saving a lot of time. That's where I think AI is going to help a lot on the tactical side of things. On the more strategic and enablement side of things, I definitely see AI moving into a new form whereby there are going to be more predictive analysis. Today, we have to rely on very, very smart and very expensive data engineers and data analysts in order to come up with like data, pre uh, predictive data models, if you want, in companies. I think that AI and Gen AI is definitely going to be moving towards having an assistant that is going to be using that data that they see across Outreach or SalesLoft or, or Pardot or Salesforce and say, well, based on all the behaviors I'm seeing in those systems, this client is likely to be X. Or, or this account is likely to be churning and so on. And I think that's going to be helping us a lot on, on predicting the future, if you want. I'm excited to hear about both what you've just mentioned. I think automation for tasks is the most obvious one because there's actually so much manual work within RevOps that we've just kind of accepted that as part of our job, right? Like outside of the system, especially when we need to do any kind of spreadsheet manipulation. Um, and then when you mentioned the uh, data engineer piece and how you've traditionally needed to pay people to come up with these expensive um, predictive models. AI can definitely, I think, help with developing that without having as structured data. One of the tools I've been hearing about um, in the market is this tool called GPT for work. I don't know if there's any other tools you've encountered where you've, you're, you've asked your team to start experimenting with. Um, you're like, hey, this could help me with maybe data standardization or might help with um, getting data between systems. Anything you're excited about thus far? So to be fair, nothing crazy. From what I I saw, or from what I've been experiencing, if you want through through the systems that we that we use, there wasn't like a massive disruptor when it comes to like AI. You take Salesforce and ex as an example. Salesforce has been releasing a lot of hype around their Einstein AI system, um, even though it's only going to be fully released if you want in like maybe a year in 2024. Um, 
what is already there when you look into the content um, about Einstein analyzing your, your opportunities to give, to give it a score and so on, it's very binary. It's like this opportunity is new business. New business has less light, you know, less chances to renew um, or less, uh, less chances to close compared to renewals. So I'm going to give it a lower score. Um, it's not AI. It's just like one and zeros if you want type of, of analysis on those tools. So at the moment, I would say that all the solutions, you even have solutions when you come to um, tools like Gong, for example, are going to be analyzing your speech and so on. Um, they are not they are not in good enough, I would say, to really help us in our in our world to really you know provide data or to make our life easier. We still need to always um, double check if you want what the, the 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 scores are telling us. Yeah, I think you bring up an important point, which is probably for RevOps or operations folks, which is more back office relative to the revenue team the products that are available are probably going to lag behind what's available immediately to marketers or salespeople. Um, and you also mentioned kind of the hype, right? There's a lot of noise out there. Every single company seems to be making acquisitions with uh, Gen AI companies right now. Everyone's saying, well, we've got AI powering this layer of our product. Um, how does a team like yours kind of sift through that noise that is the marketing hype and when sales or marketing comes to you and says, hey, by the way, we just heard about this new product. It seems amazing. It's powered by AI. How do you kind of parse that out and say, is this tool actually meaningful? And is the technology actually going to help the marketing or sales team? No, it's a very good question. It's something that as a company at Frazy, we we were faced with very quickly when all the hype about ChatGPT came around last November. Um, because we were in these worlds, it was quite obvious to us the, the limitation, if you want, um, that were coming from from tools like that. But equally, we had a lot of like current clients or prospective clients that were telling us, "Oh, we are going to be uh, implementing ChatGPT because we've been asked by someone leader um, or senior in the company to be implementing AI." Um, why? No idea. What is it going to do? No idea. And that's the problem with uh, with generative AI. It's like people have been hyped up but not necessarily knowing how is that going to help me? Like, okay, I want to be writing like content. Perfect. It's going to write content for you. What about, you know, uh, brand, brand voice? What about safety? What about regulations? Are you going to use emojis or not emojis and so on? And all of that, the AI tool is not going to know unless you want to be developing your own AI tool. Another thing that Frazy has been calling out very early on when all the hype was, was booming about ChatGPT is generating good content. And that's something that we, we've been using as a differentiator as well um, when it comes to, to ChatGPT, because the content that you generate with ChatGPT is going to be as good as obviously the scripts that you provide or the prompts that you provide to ChatGPT, but also your understanding of the subject that you're speaking about or asking for. Where Crazy puts a lot of work, if you want, in generating good content. And what I mean by good content is content that is going to be optimized and it's going to be optimized through a lot of iteration of the same thing in order to understand what works, what doesn't work. And I think that is where we are advising our clients, we are advising like colleagues in the industry to always be mindful about you need to understand what you want to achieve first before you're going into AI. Otherwise, you're going to get a solution and you won't have any idea how you're going to be using it. And so it comes back to our age-old reminder of understanding the use case and the why and the size of the problem before any kind of shiny tool, AI-powered or not, comes across the desk. Um, in the last number of months, I think 
for a lot of folks probably listening have been experimenting with different kinds of prompts on ChatGPT, you know, just trying to find ways to stay on top of the development, which is happening at such uh, fast speeds. What would you recommend as someone who works at a Gen AI company? What would you recommend RevOps leaders do to stay up to speed on the meaningful developments around Gen AI? I would say you follow the RevOps Rockstar podcast as a starter, <laughs> definitely. Um, another thing that is quite obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, is Google is your friend. You need to you need to be curious. You need to always um, try to understand like what is the new RevOps AI tool or what are the articles that are being speaking about RevOps and AI and so on. Um, another very useful thing to do is to be following or being part of communities. There are more and more RevOps communities that are popping up. Obviously, you need to be understanding um, the content. If it's good enough, is it serving the purpose that you're looking for? But those communities are a lot of people like yourself that want to understand or have like questions um, or want to get some answers or want, are interested in a specific subject and want to exchange with others. And I think that is quite recent, if you want, that we're seeing um, communities, uh, RevOps communities um, booming like this, but it's quite a good thing because it kind of shines some light on the, the need for us to be actually collaborating between each other, even though we are not part of the same company. I'm surprised earlier that you said to ask Google and not just ask ChatGPT for the answers. Well, ChatGPT, you need to remember that unless you're using uh, a paid version of ChatGPT, ChatGPT is going to give you information from September 2021. It's already mm -hmm. outdated. So um, that's it. You can ask ChatGPT quite generic questions about subjects if you want. But if you want to dive into specifics and very recent information, Google is still your friend so far. That is an <laughs> excellent call out in terms of the refresh timeline for the model. Um, my last question before we kind of transition and talk a little bit more about your background, Hugo, is um, whether there's any cautioning you would give to our listeners when considering how to incorporate AI into existing workflows or processes. You mentioned passingly earlier, like there's a security element, there's a compliance element. What are the other kind of factors that people don't normally think about when determining whether or not um, incorporating an AI powered tool makes sense for that team? So outside of the like common ones, like obviously data security, ethical also, um, like compliance sometimes, you also need to be um, thinking about costs. Because having an AI solution in your company, um, if you don't train it to your to be your company specific AI, it's going to give you like very generic um, answers. You don't want that. You want something that is very much tailored to your company. If you want something that is tailored, that is going to be a hell of an investment because you need to have people that are going to be training the model, and you need to be understanding that it's not going to be a quick and easy solution to implement. Once you've been training your model, you need to also incorporate it with your system. So it's all about you know creating APIs and connections and making sure that you can surface information. So all of those considerations are raising questions about, is it worth the investment? So that's something that I would be very cautious um, or providing like advice about being cautious um, about when it comes to implementing an AI solution. And then finally, it's all about, is that really going to be saving you some time or is it going to be making you like win money? So you need to be very smart about it in understanding whether or not that's gonna be as much as the commitment to be implementing it in your company. Well, that is fantastic advice. Uh, thank you for all that. I think you, you've obviously spent a, a fair amount of time thinking about this. So we want to talk about you for a little bit and your background. You're currently based in London in the UK. Indeed. 
you studied, uh, you did a couple of degrees at a school. I'm going to mispronounce the name. Is it Idrak? Yes, Idrak in France. Idrak. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, so you did a, a bachelor's of marketing and management. You also did a master's in international pro- project management. Uh, you've also done a master of science and business with international management at Northumbria University. Your previous pr- position was at Builder.ai, uh, a director of global sales operations and strategy. Uh, looking through your LinkedIn profile, I see this long list of sales ops and uh, other related roles, which is kind of amazing. Um, how did you get into SaaS RevOps? The million dollar question. I was in sales um, before I moved into, into sales operation, which is very interesting because um, despite all the degrees you've been speaking about, I never heard of sales operations before I actually started working in uh, in companies um, and before I moved to the uh, to the UK. Um when I was in sales, I was like in a, in a BDR type of, uh, of position and I, I'm a big Excel fan. So I was creating my own reports to track my activity, to track where my leads were going to be and how much money I could make in my commissions and so on. And that kind of is the reason, it's not kind of, it is the reason why um, one day the managing director of the um, um, Mirai company, the, the one I was working for, came to me one day and he was like, hey, we have a team, it's called Revenue Operations or Sales Operation back in the day. Um, and I think you would be a good fit for them. And that's when it all started. So I met with the MD of Sales Operation um, and to understand the role, to understand how I could be helping in this. And then that's when I discovered the world of Salesforce backend, understanding the connections, understanding how to be setting it up, doing enablements to make sure the users were using it and so on. So that's that's the beginning of everything. And you've been in your current role for just, just over a year. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, if you could go back to day one at Frazee and give yourself some advice, what would that be? Be curious. I am quite often falling into the, tra- uh, the trap of thinking I know everything. And that's pretty bad. Um, and I I would definitely come back to, to, to me like one year, one year ago and say, like, be more curious. Because one thing that I've been challenged with a lot was things that I never were exposed to before, especially around like marketing operations and so on, um, or AI for, for revenue operations. And by being curious, you're actually allowing yourself to bridge quite a lot of pitfalls you can be falling under because you've been hearing about it. And that kind of give you guidance about where to be looking for. Um, so definitely be curious. I think that's great advice. And then uh, I'm curious, uh, given your background, given what you're doing now, given how much you obviously think about things like AI models, what's next on your career bucket list? Good question. I wish I had the, like, the fine answer in my head. Um, to me, it's very much two things for my for my career. It's moving into um, more of a strategic position, so either the POC level um, in companies, so that not only am I banging at people's door to say, "Hey, we need to be looking at this. We need to be focusing on that," and so on, but to be more strategic, if you want, in the company in terms of like advising the company um, and driving the company into a specific direction. That's something that I'm looking for. Either that or like a board membership um, where I can actually advise based on experience, based on knowing what other companies have been successful at doing or actually not falling into pitfalls that others have been falling in there. I think uh, both sound great and they're certainly not mutually exclusive. I'm wondering already, you know, maybe you dedicate a half an hour every morning in your current role to thinking strategically about the, the broader business and just get started. 
because you're, yes. you're it's clear you're on your way. So really, really excited for you. Thank you. I'm interested also in the Hugo outside of the world of ops, the world of sales, the world of thinking about what's next uh, in terms of AI. What are some of the things you get to do when you have that open half afternoon? Or let's just say, you know, that long summer, uh, European summer. What are some of those things you uh, have picked up and helps you also unwind from just the intense kind of problem solving that you do day to day? One word, trouble. That's that's the go-to. Um, I am lucky enough that my partner is a photographer, so we've been um, we've been going to very remote places in order to be taking pictures at very early or very late hours in the day, and that's what drives me outside of work to actually disconnect from all that technology, disconnect from all that communication or even social um, social medias and so on, to be in a remote place and just yourself with your partner, your camera, and just like capturing that moment of nothingness. That's that's really how I am unwinding, if you want, during the year. What kinds of remote places are we talking about? Like mountaintops, like some continent you haven't been to yet? So it could be a lot of, lot of different things, to be fair. Um, things like the, the coast in Algarve in the south of Portugal, things like the Philippines when you are doing island hopping and you're finding remote island that no one is living on, things like Canada when you're being lost into the uh, the, the different parks and, and the lakes that you can find there. Those are the, the remote places I'm speaking about. That is really, really cool. I had the opportunity to spend uh, two weeks in Siberia some years back and it was the complete sort of change of landscape. It felt alien, Martian even, and the complete silence and quiet also in those areas. It's not overwhelmed by people. It's not overwhelmed by traffic. It is just, I mean, in Siberia, at least it was me and the iced, you know, frozen lake and mm -hmm. just landscapes that felt like they were from a different world. So I can definitely see how transplanting ourselves into a different place outside of the digital um, saturation that RevOps is typically a part of, you know, that end of month, end of quarter, high stress sales has an issue with closing quotes or whatever um, sort of environment. Yeah, we all know that. I think we should all get a drink at the end of every month in revenue operations world <laughs> for all the work that we are doing there. And for yourself, since things are moving so quickly with RevOps, I mean, you obviously got this opportunity to join a RevOps team and in ways learn on the job, right? Learn um, the different experiences of what different teams needed. What kinds of resources do you usually lean on for your own learning? And are there folks out there, RevOps leaders or just thought leaders in general that you want to call out and recommend our listeners to check out? Definitely. So I'm doing a lot of um, self-tuition, if you want, not necessarily relying on, on a book per se, but following like articles and finding a subject and learning more about it. So I'm doing a lot of that. Um, in terms of like community, I've been part of um, of community that is called RevOps Co-op uh, that's been created by Matthew Volm. I would definitely recommend him as a, a thought leader in the revenue operation world. Um, there's another person called Errol Tucker. Um, he's the kind of guy you would want to follow when you are interested in like automation. He speaks a lot about automation and very interested into technology. So those are two I would definitely recommend to be learning more about the, the RevOps world. Amazing recommendations. And definitely RevOps Co-op has come up a couple of times before. Um, are there some thought leaders you'd also recommend 
for people to stay on top of uh, Gen AI topics, podcasts or articles or other kinds of influencers who are talking a lot about it that you've found to be um, more substance than fluff? So this one is an interesting one because all of the thought leaders that I'm following, um, like all of them have been very criticizing if you want when it comes to, uh, to AI. So it's, they are not necessarily creating content about, hey, those are the things you should be looking for, but more, hey, those are the things that you should be careful about. Um, so I'm learning a lot on this side, not necessarily a lot about excitement. So don't know necessarily one person I would recommend when it comes to revenue operation and AI, but I'm sure those can be easily found. Just be careful about who you're following. (laughs) Yeah, that's such good advice. So um, you've you've really shared a lot with us. If if one of our listeners wanted to find you or follow you on online, what would be a good place uh, for them to do that? Best place is LinkedIn. You go as as Robine on LinkedIn. That would be the place to find me. Okay, and if they wanted to learn more about Frazy, same thing. Frazy, you can follow um, us on. on LinkedIn, we are also on like Instagram, Twitter, and then we have a website called Frazy.co. Okay. And then uh, do you, you and your partner post any of your photos from wild places, wild remote places? Uh, I don't. I don't. My partner does. Uh, she has a website, um, which I would be happy to go to provide. It's called ChloeBushreet.com. And this is where you should go to find amazing pictures. Oh, good. Okay. And we'll be sure to include that in the show notes. Thank you very much. So Hugo, this has really been a pleasure to have you on the podcast with us today. You've shared so much. I really appreciate the caution about the unpaid chat GPT model being outdated. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of my kids even, you know, looking for help on their schoolwork and not maybe not realizing that what they're pulling could be based on really outdated information. Uh, I enjoyed hearing about the training of AI models and how important that will be for companies looking to adopt uh, this technology, that there's actually some work to do um, to have it be very useful and specific in your environment. Um, uh, I also really enjoyed your advice to yourself. So to be curious, uh, and certainly when when beginning a new job, um, uh, how valuable that advice can be. So thank you for all of that. We've really appreciated having you on the show today. Thank you for inviting me today, David. I really enjoyed the conversation. And I want to, of course, thank the folks who've tuned in today. You know, this podcast has gone in all sorts of directions, different kinds of topics. Uh, We've spoken to lots of RevOps operators. We've spoken to some PE folks. We've definitely, uh, if you haven't listened to the last episode where David talks about his latest book, you should check that out. Um, We're really trying to take what the most burning topics are and to address them head on and give it a forum. So if there are topics you're hearing about, regarding Gen AI and RevOps that's coming up, please drop us a note on LinkedIn or any of our posts. And we'd love to incorporate that for a subsequent podcast. For today though, Hugo, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We've so enjoyed the conversation and um, we're so glad that you are at the helm of a generative AI company like this, leading RevOps. Thank you very much, Jarin. Very much enjoyed the questions and always be curious and be creative. Be curious. And this has been another exciting, curious episode of RevOps Rockstars. We'll see everyone next time. Stay classy, Rockstars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OptFocus. 
Visit opfocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations. 